In the season's premiere of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the match against Udinese, previewing Chievo, all your Mercato questions with David Amoyal of Di Marzio, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione, il destro, violentissimo e lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti. La prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter, l'Inter vince. E Dillo, campioni d'Europa, campioni d'Europa, campioni d'Europa, campioni d'Europa, campioni d'Europa. I più forti siamo noi. Benvenuti, welcome back, welcome to a new season, a new year, new season of Studio Inter, uh, right here on sempreinter.com. Uh, I'm Niva Tavale Ruzzari, uh, who, who's, going, who's replacing Antonio D'Angelo, who we miss so much as the host, uh, but I hope to not disappoint anyone. <laughs> uh, and with me today, I'm joined by the gentleman ultra himself, Mr. Richard Hall. Happy New Year, Richard. How's things? Happy New Year, guys. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. New Year, new Nerazzori, maybe. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. How about yourself, Nima? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on that whole new Inter train as well. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm also joined from uh, all the way over in the Middle East in Dubai, Mr. Mohamed Nasser, our preview writer. Hi, Mohamed. Hey. hey good. Hi, guys. How's everything? All well? I'm good. I'm good. How was the how was the how was the Christmas break? Was it everything good? Yeah, all good. Uh, no football, but uh, it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I um, that 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 abstinent thing, and God bless the Premier League for that, because at least you get to see something during the Christmas yeah, break. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and all the way from uh, Canada, Mr. Max DeLuca. Hi guys, how are you? Good, good, good to have you. I hope you had a nice break as well. Yeah, a little snowy here in Canada, as you would imagine, but uh, all good. Yeah, it's been like that over there. I've seen some pictures from a friend who lives in um, in uh, over in Virginia in the U.S., and it looks like they're like completely snowed under. Uh, but I yeah, can it imagine was, it's worse in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it was great getting up at uh, 6.30. Uh, instead of watching Inter, I had to do the driveway last night. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't envy you. I don't envy you. <laughs> And we're also joined by the English manager of Gianluca Di Marzio's uh, page, Mr. David Amoyal. Welcome, David. Great to be on, guys. I'm excited to be on, especially at a time that Inter is doing so well. So it's good. Yeah, it's great to have you on finally for once when Inter are doing good. Instead of talking crisis, we're talking something positive, maybe. Um, well, before we get into the Udinese match, we've We've shuffled things around a little bit. We're actually going to do the. Uh, we're, we're actually going to bring David on. We've brought David on to discuss the mercato. And since we put it up on Facebook and Twitter, David, it's been raining in questions for you. Um, uh, something like 30, 40 questions for you. We won't be able to go through them all, unfortunately. But I was first wanted to ask you uh, myself. Uh, because we've spoken, a little, I've seen you discuss a little bit the the price tag on Gagliardini, and you've been answering a bit of questions on that. Because my, a lot of people, myself included, think that 28 million is a little bit too much for a guy who's had maybe four months that have been really good. But what are you? 
Um, it's a great question. I've been getting a lot of these. So um, I'm just going to break it down in like two ways. Let's talk first about the length of time that he's been in Serie A and why that is, you know, important for his fee. And then we'll get into, you know, if his fee is too much or not. So, you know, I think a big driver in this is how well we've seen players like Dybala and Romagnoli do when they went to a big club after a short period of time in Serie A. And I'm not saying, you know, Gagliardini is as good as them, but I just think now Serie A clubs realize how important prospects are because you can buy them. You don't have to pay them high wages. Sure, the transfer fee may be a lot, but you're getting a player on low wages that you can always sell down the road, uh, down the road for a higher price. I mean, we saw both Romagnoli and Dybala's transfer fees, which seemed very high when they arrived. They're already worth more. So maybe that'll happen uh, with Gagliardini, too. Now, you know, Dybala and Romagnoli had a full season in Serie A. Gagliardini just about half. But at the same time, he has a lot of suitors that were after him. Milan, Juve, Napoli a little bit were after him. So Inter had, you know, a lot of competition, which drives up the price and gives him urgency to get the deal done sooner. So, you know, in a different world, he probably would have played the full season. And then in the summer, been a lot of bids. But I think because we saw so many young players do well, uh, Inter had to bite the bullet now. As far as the fee, you know, for me, I always look, you know, is this fee going to prevent Inter from making any other moves? And the answer is likely no. I mean, we've seen Suning spend so much last summer. The restrictions with FFP are going to be lifted or eased next summer. So to me, the fact that they spend so much on Gagliardini, it's not like it's going to allow them, you know, to not sign another player. So for me, at the end of the day, not so much the fee. What really matters is if he's going to perform or not. If he's a boss, sure, it'll be money wasted. If he does well, he's a good investment down the road. And even if he's a boss, the Inter can always buy someone else anyways. Hmm. That's, that's, a very, that's a very interesting analysis. Uh, right. Uh, before I send, start firing questions from our listeners, uh, I wanted to ask. I wanted to let the guys on the panel uh, ask you something. Uh, starting with Richard, do you have any questions for David? Yeah, I'm going to sneak in a, a quick, uh, quick two. If that's all right, David. One of them is a bit more hyperbole and a bit more over the top and a bit more you know, mainstream that's been in there. But I'm just interested to see if there's any truth in that rumor about uh, Andrea Bellotti uh, going to the Premier League and if that was anything that was uh, just paper talk or if it was substantiated. And also, my, my second quick cheeky question is, have you got a breakdown of how that move from Stevan Jovetic uh, to Sevilla uh, works out and, and what it actually get from that? Sounds great. And first of all, Richard, Happy New Year. I love your site, man. So much great Cheers, stuff David. on there. Everyone should be reading that. Um, so as far as Bellotti, you know, I know uh, Torino's sporting director answered a question, said we got a big bid from Arsenal, but it's not what he's worth. I mean, I'm not sure if he's referring to a recent bid, which I don't know of, but I know Arsenal and some other Premier League clubs have been looking at him for a while. Um, now, you know, he's been great. He's only 23, has had a, you know, great track record in Serie A. You know, to me, in a way, I compare him in Icardi in the sense that he scores a ton of goals on teams that never went, you know, particularly high in the standings. And that, to me, is a plus. Um, on the other hand, you know, we've seen a lot of Serie A players, you know, struggle going to the Premier League. So it's going to be interesting to see if a club's going to be willing to make a huge bid 
for him. You know, Torino put that exit clause for 100 million euro valid only outside Serie A. And to me, that was just put so Juve or say someone like Napoli or Milan, uh, you know, tried to sign him. They want to kind of have more control over what can happen. I think, you know, in the summer, if a club comes with like a big bid, even below the exit clause and it's broad, I certainly think they would consider it. Uh, Torino's in pretty good financial shape. You know, last summer they asked Napoli not to pay for Maximovic right away. They asked them to pay in the next fiscal year. So that's in how good a shape they are. Uh, but, you know, if a huge bid for Belotti comes in, um, I think they'd probably accept. As far as Jovetic, it sounds like he is going to go on loan with option to buy. Uh, Milan pay, Inter paid $15 million. Uh, to buy him from Manchester City. The hope is he goes to La Liga, where he's expected to do well a league that should fit his talent, and then someone's going to be willing to pay that amount. Yeah, as a matter of fact, David, just right now, Gianluca tweeted that uh, Jovetic uh, has, has, uh, has agreed terms, or Inter has agreed terms with Sevilla for Jovetic transfer for 14 million on a, on a, on a loan with a... Or not 14 million, but loan with a 14 million option to buy. So... <laughs> As you said, <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, I was going to go on. Uh, let's go on. Um, uh, Mohammed, do you have any questions for David? Uh, just a hypothetical one. Uh, who he reckons, uh, David? Uh, who do you reckon uh, between uh, Ranocchia and Andrioli is more marketable uh, for Inter? Like, what what value can we get? Uh, can we possibly get more out of if we decide to sell one of the two? Well, I think, you know, the issue with Ranocchia is he earns considerably more than Andreoli. So, you know, you would probably, the best you could do with Ranocchia is probably loan him and get the other team to pay most, if not all, of his wages. I think Andreoli's contract expires at the end of the season. If you're moving him, you're getting a little bit back. Um, I'm sure Inter, you know, is going to have more urgency to sell or loan either or both of them because I have a feeling Medell is going to move more to the defense with Gagliardini coming in. Um, so I think with Ranocchia, your best hope is to get a team to pay all of his wages for this season, considering he's been linked to Palermo and Sassuolo. Even that may be difficult. Okay. Yeah. Sorry Great. to burst your bubble. It's just a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, we I, I got to jump in here because we're talking about players that Inter fans and want to get rid of. This this Burnley's interest in Nagatomo, how highly do you rate that? Because I've, I've got so many questions about that. <laughs> people are like really happy when Gianluca tweeted that. Like people were like <laughs> he shouldn't do that because people were like genuinely like over the moon about that. Yeah. Like, is it happening? Is he finally well, leaving? It- it looks like it's certainly uh, possible. Um, you know, he, Inter would certainly be very happy to let him go, especially because they seem much more keen on uh, keeping D'Ambrosio long term. So there's definitely interest there. Um, you know, the good thing that I can say for Inter fans is that, you know, in the past there's only excitement on players like him leaving. And now I think there can be genuine excitement on even players coming in. Uh, but I think there's a pretty good chance that Nagatomo will go to Burnley before the window closes. That's that. That, that I think you just caused everyone who listens to this to just <laughs> absolutely go crazy. So people will start like spontaneously cartwheeling down the street and stuff. <laughs> uh, well, it right. never happened. Yeah. 
No, I trust David. I trust David on this one. <laughs> I'll blame David, too, if it doesn't yeah. work out. <laughs> right, uh, Max, do you have anything you want to ask David? Well, I have uh, written down, ask David about Nagatomo to Burnley and Renatia <laughs> to Watford or Swansea. So, that's kind of... Maybe a reunion with Walter Mazzari? Is that the... Well, I know that... I forget which one, but I know Watford's looking at one of the defenders on Udinese that's not playing much. So, um, not out of the question that they try to bring in someone from Inter. But, you know, because of the Pozzo's relationship with Watford and Udinese, I have a feeling they're going to give a precedence to someone from that team. Fair enough. Great. Well, now that all of us have had a chance to uh, ask you, David, we're going to go to our first question on Twitter. Um, This comes from uh, at OVBOKHanid. What do you think about the Sunin group? And do you think Inter will make the top three this season? Well, I think, you know, what Sunin showed me last summer is that they have no problem spending money significantly. Now, you know, we can argue if they spend the money wisely or not. Um, I think, you know, especially Jao Mario has shown, you know, definitely some flashes here there that can live up to it. You know, I always felt like it was going to be a long road for Gabigol to get used to Serie A, but, but no matter how the players perform, there's no way around it. Suning is going to spend a lot in the future, especially once the restrictions are lifted. So I think Inter fans should be very excited about that. Um, you know, in a way, I compare it a little bit to what we see with PSG, who has owners from Qatar, but they're based in Europe. They spend like a club out there. It's not out of the question that we could see Inter be kind of like a satellite Chinese club. We see how much they're spending to bring players to China with Inter. So I think uh, Inter fans should be thrilled with that move. You also just look at how the sale of the club was handled. Professional happened very quickly, you know, especially when you compare it to Milan. I do think Inter has an outside chance at third place. I was a big fan of the hiring of Pioli. You know, you're bringing in a coach who's already been to the CL. With Lazio, granted, it was the preliminary round. He brought a team there in third place, did very well at Bologna, taking over midseason. So this, to me, was the perfect recipe for Inter. You know, I I think Inter's squad is comparable to Roma and Napoli. Um, You know, let's see how Napoli does against Real Madrid. Uh, If they get bounced, you know, I think it'll be tough for Inter to surpass them. But you never know. I think there's a lot of reasons for Inter fans to be excited. Great. Um, speaking of which, there's so much, There's a lot of questions on Gagliardini because a lot of people haven't been, you know, haven't seen him, uh, yeah. and a lot of people want to basically know the same thing. And Sandro Mehic uh, on Facebook asks us basically collects all of that together. Is Gagliardini a new Condogbia gamble, or does this kid have the quality to break into the first team lineup from the beginning? What's your opinion? Well, it's a great question, and I know someone else was asking, you know, what type of role do I see him doing? Like, I think Gagliardini has a lot of the attributes that Inter was hoping to get from Condogobbia and Felipe Melo. Um, You know, granted, he hasn't been in Serie A that much, but at least he has some experience in the league. You know, what I will say about Gagliardini, I've only seen him play maybe five times on TV. I saw Atalanta play when they were playing against Juve when I was in Italy. 
Um, you know, I think what's really encouraging about him is that Inter, that Milan and Juve wanted him as well. I think that says a lot. Even uh, Ventura, who coaches the Azzurris, considering him for the squad. So people that know a lot about Italian players are certainly interested in him. So, um, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I was very high on Condogobbia doing well at Inter, showing some flashes now. But I think at this point it's a lost cause. I do think Gagliardini could end up being the player Inter fans were hoping Condogobbia would be. Hmm, interesting. Um, a lot, uh, we also have received a lot of questions about his role as a pitch uh, on the pitch. And Mohamed Zahra on Facebook basically asks us what everyone has been wanting to know. Is he a regista? And do you think that he has what it takes to control the tempo of the games? Like, does he, is he able to play alone in front of the defense? Well, I think he could do it a little bit. I think he's a little bit more defensive-minded than that. Um, you know, from what I've seen, he is a pretty good passer. I do think, you know, if you look at a midfield with him, Brozovic and Jao Mario, I think you could have, um, you know, three get players that complement each other pretty well. As far as the classic Regista role, I mean, there's really not that many teams that have that ball distributor in front of the defense. But I think if you put him playing with Brozovic and Jao Mario, you'd have really a nice uh, variety of skills. So I think he'd fit in very well with that. Hmm. Great. Um, then um, we, we've got another question here from uh, on Facebook again from uh, Bek uh, Khojaev, who asks, now that it seems that Inter is free of the financial fair play limitation, who do you think will be the next big name signing? Now, before we get into that, isn't it, like just just to, like the financial fair play uh, limitations that have been imposed on Inter, they they expire in June, right? As far as I know, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a huge expert on those, although I should be because it impacts the transfer market so much. But you know, from everything Inter has been saying and a lot of what I've been reading, that does seem to be the case. I think you know Suning's making a very big commitment to buying Italian players. Uh, you know it's interesting that a lot of times Inter gets criticized for not buying Italian players, and when they do it with Gagliardini, they get criticized anyway. So I feel like they can't <laughs> win. But you know they are they targeted. You know Verratti, Bernardeschi. Right, and we want to thank David there. We're really sorry about the technical problems. If you, if it's not our fault, please send your hate mail to Skype. Uh, we, 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 we pay to have a pro edition and still it doesn't work. But don't worry, we will have David on after the Mercato and also towards the end, hopefully, depending on his schedule. Uh, but we're joined now by Miss Sonia Misio. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, Sonia. Well, so happy to have you on, on uh, to have you on Studio Inter. Just a little bit. Just, could you just introduce yourself a little bit? Because you're Canadian, but you're Swiss. You support Udinese. How does that work? <laughs> um, I'm a little complicated. I'm born and raised in Toronto, but my mom is half Swiss, half Filipino, and my dad is 100% Friolano. So I was cursed with Udinese from birth, and nationally I follow the Swiss team because why not? <laughs> <laughs> yes, why not? Why not? Well, I guess Friuli is close to Switzerland, so I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we share Alps. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get to the let's get back to the reason why you're here. Um, Inter uh, against Udinese at the Dacia Stadium, the former Stadio Friuli. 
was a game where Udinese dominated for the first 45 minutes or at least looked to be the team in edge and then from nothing Inter equalized. How angry were you or how when Perisic scored that goal, uh, equalizer, did you feel that this was going to go pear-shaped then? Um, I think every <laughs> game is going to go pear-shaped, let's face it. But I also feel like Skype was trying to help you guys out by not connecting me just so I wouldn't scream at you for this entire interview. It was <laughs> such a frustrating game because it's one thing. That's the problem with Udinese. It's one thing if they just played crap the entire time and you're like, oh, well, they're going to lose this. But they played so well. They had, you know, so many opportunities, so many chances on goal. Things just weren't going their way. And... <sighs> I mean, we're still in the top 10 as of like 40 minutes ago. I don't know if that's changed yet, but it's it was a frustrating game. I was hoping that we'd come into the new year and it would be like, when was it, 2010, 2011, where we won every single game after uh, the Christmas break and then we somehow made it into Champions League. I was kind of hoping that it was going to be this renaissance and rebirth into that, and it wasn't. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 don't blame us. Send your hate mail to Ivan Perisic. <laughs> or your goalkeeper, who is our former savior. So, Speaking you know, of, just no positive yeah. things. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Speaking of goalkeepers, um, I, a lot of uh, some Italian outlets said that Inter didn't deserve to win that game, and it was thanks to Carnesi's having an absolute horrible game that Udinese lost. Do you agree with that? Um, no, I think Udinese in general are to blame. I mean, you can talk, you can look at it in so many ways, but at the end of the day, they had so many opportunities in that first half, and I don't, we're not touching on the second half. We're not talking about that at all. That's okay. my only rule okay. for this, okay. Okay. this chat. Okay. But <laughs> if, if you can't put the ball in the back of the net when you have that many opportunities, and like they're defending was not bad. I mean, I wouldn't say it was great, but they were giving Inter some, you know, a, a little bit of a wall to deal with, and they just, they couldn't finish it. And they looked so promising in the first 20 minutes, too. And Fofana's sort of been our guy who's kind of come out of nowhere, and he's sort of been, you know, the one to watch, and he helped with the assist, but still, nothing. So it sounds like you had a pretty awful Sunday, because uh, given how the time difference, that started like 6 a.m. in the morning, and then uh, you yep. have to watch it. <laughs> so Sunday sucked for you. It sucked being Sonia Missio on like, yesterday. Then I guess. Yeah, you guys are just you're just rolling it on to Monday too. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but w- w- what's next for Udinese now? I mean, after after Di Natale, I mean, Di Natale stuck around until you got that new stadium, which I got to say, I think is 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 awesome. Um, it is fantastic. I think it's absolutely superb. Yeah. Looks beautiful. And, I... uh, have you been there? I was there two or three years ago while it was still under construction. So I'm really excited to get out um, probably next fall, the start of next season to go see it. But even under construction, I mean, the stadium in general is beautiful. You have that view of the Alps and it's it's so different than any other um, Italian stadium that I've been to because they also have like the official fan store right there too. So you don't have like, you know, all of the parking lot booths set up so like they they really try to make the fan experience above and beyond any other stadium um so like they offer things like free wi-fi and like little things like that that you don't really see the same sort of interaction or like you know go take a selfie here and they'll retweet it so i think the has been doing a lot to kind of mobilize their fan base a bit more i just wish that they were putting the same effort into their team <laughs> good good wife good wi-fi in italian stadium that's amazing i I didn't know that. Uh, you have no idea. 
well, I, I mean, can't. Uh, I can't use my phone at Toronto Stadium. They, like BMO Field has a terrible, terrible reception. So, like, <laughs> that's on my top of my list for like great things about Stadio uh, Friuli. I refuse so, to call it by its new name. <laughs> I just Sonia, to, sorry. It's a, yeah, go for it. Sorry, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, it's Richard here. Just a, a quick one. Um, Udinese, you've always been a little bit like that with the stadium, as far as I remember, because I think even when the Friuli uh, was all first built and then refurbed, I think it was back in the 70s, wasn't it? Even then it had like a gym and a section for martial arts. And it's always, they've always been a pretty forward-thinking club. I mean, does that come across... I mean, it always seems like that, you know, and they seem to have brought it through in, you know, after obviously Juve and Sassuolo, you know, it's another, another, another club that seems to be really embracing uh, the sort of modern era of football. And uh, I always find that refreshing about Udinese, but has that always been the case, even when you went back to the Fiori, uh and under its old guys, could you still see even, you know, that they, they were forward thinking then or... Sort of. I mean, it's a bit different now. It's in a weird transition right now because you have Pozzo who has bought, who has sold Granada, like his Spanish side, and is now has his son doing Watford. And so they're picking up a lot of the things that the English are doing in terms of, you know, broadcasting and promotion. I think that's where a lot of the fan base comes. But I mean, even you were talking about in the 70s when they had the uh, Moretti Stadium and they changed to the Stadio Friuli, they took out seats in that because they wanted to bring it closer to the pitch and they wanted, or sorry, um, let me backtrack, sorry. Moratti, they expanded, but now when they went to the new Stadio Friuli, like when they did the redesign, they took out seats from that because they wanted to bring it back to the Moratti Stadium where it was closer and you were closer to the pitch and you didn't necessarily have that huge track that kind of went across. And even like the multicolored Lego seats and whatnot, it's just adding to a flair. And I think say for better or for worse, they've always sort of been on this cutting edge, even if we're talking about, you know, 2010 when Udinese sort of went up in the ranks and they were getting those champion league, Champions League spots in the European qualifiers. I mean, they were playing this really, really refreshing style of attacking football that you weren't getting so mm. much in Italy at the time. And, and I think that has started to change. Even the national team has changed because of that. And maybe I'm giving too much credit to my team, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> I was, uh, I was just going to say, I, I think, yeah, sure, why not? I mean, yeah, I, I just don't think that, you know, do you really think, do you really believe that? I mean, come on. <laughs> you really 100%. That? <laughs> okay. In my professional opinion, yes, 100%. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, but, uh, what well, I mean, Di Natale was obviously the big bandiera of uh, Udinese, and do you, do you, I mean, his, his importance can't even be, you know, can't even be put into words. He stayed until the new stadium was was finished built. But don't you feel that don't you? Dude, I mean, personally, when watching Udinese, I feel that they're lacking that kind of central figure that they used to have before. Because, like, even you know, back in the day when they used to have, for example, Bierhoff and Helweg and all those players, they, it felt like they had at least a, a kind of a central string, you know, built up like a central line through the middle of the team that they could build things around. And then you had the the, the Handanovic and Inler and and all these players. And obviously, given how Udinese is built as a club. They 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 built on selling, but don't do you lack that central line? And and do you think that how far the club how far do you think the club has come in building rebuilding again that central line and focal point of the team? It's funny that everybody talks about you know Di Natale leaving, and it's true. I mean, obviously that is a huge change for the club just in leadership style. But to me, the more important absence from the club is Demitzi, and he's been there almost as long as Di Natale, maybe a few years off. And he was in the back line and he was slowly faded out. And I think that's sort of where the change is happening. You have 
all these players that had been in the club for such a long time that just sort of leave without any solid replacement. There's not really any transition. It's more of a slash and burn and hope that this club works. And Dina Kelly, I mean, you know, not everybody can be a Thotsy. Sometimes you do have to retire a little bit earlier than maybe you want to. And he'd been threatening to retire for at least two or three years ahead of time. And, it, and it's nice to kind of see him go out on top rather than kind of near the end where they were just putting him in for the last like 10, 15 minutes. But it's true. They don't have anyone there, not even even a talisman, but just somebody there commanding the pitch and sort of looking on what's going on. And they have too many new players, not necessarily young players, but too many new players. And I was hoping that Villeneuve would kind of fix that a little bit but I mean he hasn't been there that long either so we'll see we'll see what happens so Sonia do you think that you've been affected by the you know Granada and Watford especially with Watford coming up to the premiership and the money that's in there now because when I remember 100% yeah I mean even when you go back I mean we were talking about that scene with Alexis Sanchez etc and you keep going back and there always seems to be quite a really you know hardcore South American grouping that they'd always been scouted but I think obviously with football changing now, and on top of that, those um, you know the Premier League and the money that's in there. Do you worry for Udinese long term with that? One hundred percent. First of all, and I don't know how accurate this is. I'm just making wild allegations, but I'm pretty sure Pozzo is going to sell the team pretty soon. Uh, he's kind of stepped down and stepped back from a lot of his roles, and he's letting his son sort of run wild with Watford, which means a lot of our players are being loaned out and sort of brought up. There's so much more money in England and I I can't really blame him for that on a sort of you know business outlook but there's no way he can manage both of these teams in the same way I mean Udinese was always sort of you know his his baby and whatnot but the fact that he's stepping back from a lot of his roles and kind of letting his son take over who I believe is like English educated and like he's basically from England I know he was living in Spain for a while but I don't know. Don't quote me on any of that. Now I'm just making up lies. But he, that is where the focus is. And I mean, when you have a team playing in the premiership, like that is your focus. And I completely begrudgingly understand that. Okay. So how do you explain Walter Mazzari's presence at the club? <laughs> because he's, uh, he's <laughs> from an Inter perspective, we don't exactly love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I could write a book trying to explain it and still get out of, like, nothing at the end. <laughs> uh, Mohammed, do you have any questions for Sonia? Uh, yeah, just uh, following on to uh, the situation with, with Watford. Uh, so what next for Udinese if, if the Pozzos decide to sell, uh, sell the club? Where, what's, what's the best case, what's the worst case scenario for you guys, for the Tifosi? Um, I started GoFundMe to try to buy the club myself, and when that doesn't work, I I don't know. I just give up soccer and I give up my career. I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, with, with a huge investment uh, in the new stadium, and then yeah, you're talking about importing a lot of uh, match day uh, match day activities from from over from the premiership and, and and that sort of atmosphere it doesn't sound like it's um it's a club where the owners are are, are bored and they want to let go though does it 
I, I don't no, know. No, and that's true. No, no, it's true. And also the club is, and I'm, when I say club, I mean at a managerial level, is very invested in the community. I mean, they help at the hospitals and um, Pozzo's wife is very, very philanthropic within the Friuli region and they do fantastic work within the city and within the surrounding areas. Yeah. And a lot of that commitment is due to them being Friulano and wanting to give back to the community, which I think is very admirable and isn't talked about as much as I think it should be, especially for such a small club. Yeah. But um, I do. I think when it came down to it, everybody thought that his son was going to take over Adonese and he just, he has this other focus. So hopefully maybe yeah. board of directors will step up and Pozzo Senior will kind of step back from his role and allow the board to kind of take over. I think he's retired as president now and has moved to chairman or something like that. I don't really know what the title switches really do, but yeah. hopefully because they do do a lot for the city and the fact that, um, the fact that, yeah, this new stadium and all these new programs that are being put in, they have a huge youth program that they're really promoting. They have a women's team that they put so much support behind, more so than I've noticed any other Italian team play. I mean, their emblem is still like a girl running with a ponytail, but whatever. I mean, I'll pick my battles on that one. So <laughs> they are investing a lot, but I'm just hoping that they will also invest in their first team. Yeah, it translates into the actual first team. And speaking of, of which, uh, for you at this point in time, you know, uh, halfway through the season, where do you where where do you wish the team ends up realistically, and where do you think uh, they'll end up? To be honest, I made a bet with Dov Giovanni of Forza Italia Football that we would beat Kievo. So just as long as we finish <laughs> above Kievo, that's all I care. And like uh, for a while, it was actually kind of scary. But I think I think right now we are like goal difference ahead of them. But yeah. that is and all I, I care about. Uh, finishing uh, above Kievo. <laughs> rooting for Inter on on Saturday, then, no? Huh? Um. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so so your hatred of Inter will fade away on Saturday night. That's good to know. That's good to know. Uh, <laughs> good timing, you guys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, hey, there's a plan. It, it, may, it might not seem that way, but there is a plan. There is a plan. Uh, <laughs> Max, do you there have anything There isn't a plan wanna... in Italian soccer. <laughs> Max, do you have anything you want to ask Sonia before we let her go? Uh, is this a studio inter record for most Canadians on the pod? Probably, yeah, I think so. At the same we time... two in, on in, here. Yeah, yeah. At the same time. yeah, it's great. There we go. Um, Wait, I sorry, thought, who's uh, That would be me. Where are you from? Uh, London. Oh, London, Ontario. Yeah, not that London, the other London. <laughs> no, 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 I know. I'm, I'm a Western grad. Nice, there you go. So, yeah, um, I lived in London for did my master's there. Yeah, I love it. It's a good, uh, good university town for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, I got a question about uh, Zapata. I thought he was the best player on <laughs> so the pitch in the first half. I have half. a few questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys have an option to purchase from Napoli after the first year. Um, are you guys going to take up that option, in your opinion? Um, I don't know. I don't think he's quite at the level that they had anticipated him to be. I don't think he scores as many goals as that they were hoping for. That said, he's still probably our best player uh, until Fofana kind of steps up to the plate a bit more. But I hope so. Um, I hope so just for a little bit more consistency and, you know, seeing people's names more than one season. But as of right now, I don't know if he's performing quite at the level that they had anticipated. 
Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, I thought he was all over the pitch in the first half. He hit the post and he kind of wasted a couple chances. That goes kind of to your point. But yeah, I thought he, he ran our fullbacks ragged. <laughs> for sure. Thank you so much, Sonia, for coming on. And I just wanted to plug a little bit because you started a new site recently. Could you tell us a little bit about that and where people can find you on Twitter? Yes. So me and my co-founder, Kirsten, has started a new site called Unusual Efforts, which publishes sort of any sort of soccer related items uh, but all of our writers are either women cis or trans or people who identify as a non-binary uh, gender which is kind of cool because you get stories from a whole bunch of different perspectives which you wouldn't normally get um, and we also have fantastic art like I cannot promote the art enough because it's incredible so you can find us at www.unusualefforts.com and you can find me on Twitter at Sonia Messio and I'm usually just yelling about Udinese. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to have you on. And uh, well, well, I hope I hope that you, you're happy on Saturday night and Dov Schiavone is miserable when his Kiev will lose <laughs> I hope so too. That's just the dream in life. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Ke thanks, Sonia. Thanks, boys. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. Right. Uh, let's uh, swiftly move on to the Kievo game, uh, which we were talking about a little bit, and we're going to do a little bit different this season. Uh, we're starting this uh, starting uh, this season, uh, or this side of 2017, uh, meaning that we uh, we will. Uh, Basically, what we will do is that when we preview every game, uh, Mohamed Nassar, who, uh, who writes our previews on sempainter.com, will give us a little sneak peek of his uh, preview that will be coming out on the site in a couple of days. So take it away, Mohamed. All right. So uh, Saturday, uh, another, uh, another uh, probably winnable game for Inter against uh, Kievo back at home at the, at the, at the San Siro. Um, Kievo are kind of like the opposite of Udinese. They had a bright start, and uh, recently they, their form has sort of uh, come off the tracks a bit, whereas Udinese had a pretty rough start to the season and they started picking themselves up. So uh, both teams somewhere around the middle of the table. So a lot of parallels in between the games. Udinese come off two terrible losses against uh, Roma and then Atalanta. Uh, the Atalanta game last week was at home, and they, they lost 4-1. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what and how uh, they look to bounce bounce back from that. Interestingly enough, though, uh, Kievo have um, have a midweek Coppa Italia game against uh, Fiorentina away on the Wednesday night, so uh, that adds more adds more pressure on them. For for Inter, for us, uh, it looks pretty straightforward. The only problem that we have to deal with is uh, Brozovic's uh, suspension. And it's interesting because uh, uh, speaking to Inter Channel after the game, um, Pioli was asked uh, why or if he's ever going to play uh, João Mario and Banega together. And he said that they previously played together, but that was in the presence of Medel. Uh, but uh, next week we have Brozovic suspended, so it'll all depend on, uh, on that. So it'll be interesting to see how he sets up the midfield, whether Medel comes in in midfield or... Uh, he, he he remains, as a lot of people suspect, uh, a centre-back in Pioli's eyes. And uh, we start off with Kondogbia, João Mario and Benega in the centre of the pitch. We'll see. But all in all, it's a very, very winnable game. 
five in a row. Make it happen, boys. Forza Inter. Great. Um, great. And uh, also uh, another little new thing that we're going to do uh, the, from now on is that before we discuss the upcoming matches against Kiev, we're going to have walk a little bit down memory lane. And as you all know, Richard uh, always uh, publishes his Nerazzurri classics ahead of every game, looking back at an old game uh, or, or, or something worthy of being named a Nerazzurri classic. So a little preview of Richard's upcoming Nerazzurri classics. Take it away, Richard. Okay, guys. Well, sometimes when you look back over these games, you can find yourself, some of them stick out. Sometimes you have a memory of one of these matches that was just fantastic. Other times, not so much. Udinese is an interesting one last time because you, you can go back through the records. It's amazing how many times we drew at the Friuli. But then with Chievo, it's not the most glamorous of fixtures, but yet it seems to still bring quite a lot of memories. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, when I'm 36, unfortunately, now, and so my memory goes right back to the early 90s. <laughs> and so when you're, when you're picking out teams like uh, Milan, Juventus, you can remember these games and you can remember all different types of players and what happened on the, those times. Chievo have been in City out a while, but not all that long. And yet still there's quite a, quite a lot of games that really stand out. I always try to do one that's obviously if into the home team, then we do the same game, even though there are memories of Balotelli uh, winning a game for us in, uh, in Verona and as it started to snow, which is always probably one of my favourite memories. But this week I'm going to have a look back um, and it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be down to the uh, season 2006-2007, one of my personal favourite seasons just for the squad. I mean, even then, you know, People like Francesco Toldo, Cambiasso, Ricoba, Zanetti, Stankovic, we can go on forever with these. You know, even Zlatan, Julio Cruz, Adriano, you know, Julio Cesar, of course, Vieira. It was that time, you know, when Juventus were in Serie B, everybody was happy. Italy had just won the World Cup. And, you know, OK, but there was, but saying that, we did have some players who, you know, you, you might not want to remember as much, you know. I mean, to be honest... Ibrahim Marafui never really, really struck it home. Attila Ficori, never the, never the greatest. Neither was um, Nima's fellow Swede. Uh, Going to get this wrong, actually. Goran Slavkovsky. But, and we also had Leonardo <laughs> Benici. We also had Leonardo Benici as well. Jesus that Christ. season. Wow. I mean, as if we, didn't need, we didn't need him. So we got rid of him and kept hold <laughs> of Olivia Decor. So the point being was, that season, though, you know, we had some, we started the season well. Uh, beating Fiorentina 3-2 away, which was always good. Uh, beating Roma as well. And we drawn with Sampdoria 1-0. And then came the game at home against Chievo. And he's an absolute classic. And one of my favourite players, never minded about Vincent, just probably of all time, just for how deadly he was, Hernan Crespo um, managed to get us into the lead. And then we doubled it with one to, Sa one to Samuel. And Dejan, so I'm not telling you about the goals because you have to read the article for that. And watched the clip. Then Stankovic then uh, took us 3-0 ahead. But after that, you know, you're looking at uh, Policia scored and came back. Cherevoki came back and got another. And then, then Crespo scored. So he just took us out of reach. But it's still in the last minute. Brighi got one back. And it was 4-3 to Inter. And I remember that game. It was just it was just a superb season. It was a fantastic match. And obviously that season, Inter... Went on to win it, and uh, I always remember because I was there when we lifted the Scudetto against Torino. 
right at the end of the season. So that's my Nerazzurri Classic, which we'll talk a bit more, obviously, about the goals in those games. And also, we'll put a little clip on there so you guys can watch that back. That's great. And that will come up uh, a few in a few days' time together with Mo's preview. And I got to say, you know, I, the, 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 the exclusive stuff you guys do and also Max's five things we learned or ten things we learned together with Thomas's tactical analysis, I just love reading those things. I think you guys do a fantastic job. And if you listeners haven't checked it out, you must, must, must read all these pieces because they're excellent. Uh, right. Speaking of the Kievo game, Max, what what do you expect going into this game? Do, do you think Banega will play as the trequartista or do you think João Mario will start? Uh, given, well, that I, Broze, given that Brozovic is suspended, how do you think? What do you think will happen there? I hope João Mario starts. Um, again, he proved decisive coming on uh, as a second half substitute against Udinese. I thought his uh, his set piece delivery to the back post of Perisic uh, was sublime. He tried it earlier on uh, on a free kick delivery, but he got it too close to the keeper, and the keeper uh, made a leaping catch. But uh, I'm kind of drinking the Jean Mario Kool Aid, as you guys know. I'm <laughs> I think he's fantastic. I think he's uh, been worth the money, and uh, I hope he gets every chance he gets. So I want to see him start. Banaga kind of disappointed me last week. I think he was our worst player, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that, especially when he missed that absolute sitter in the second half. Um, yeah. R- Richard, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm hopeful, to be honest. T- I think we're following a bit of a pattern at the moment under Pioli. We don't always have to play our best to get a result. Um, I like the way that even when we show more character, you know, against Udinese, when that first half, in the first sort of 10 minutes, wasn't the worst I've ever seen us start. But as soon as Udinese scored, we did seem to just drop heads a little bit. But many, many times in the previous coaches, previous regimes, we would dropped our heads and we didn't in that game and we came back and you know it's not always as I said with the most fantastic quality but we are showing that resolve and against Kievo you know I, I expect the same thing again I think Pioli will have them well organised and two things one just the strength of the squad now the strength of the bench okay there's some deadwood which you know about but as you were saying Gio Mario coming on you know the players that we have got that can, that can come on and influence this game um, are, are fantastic and it, even when people like in the last game when Kandreva and Perisic didn't originally get into the game they've got this they're experienced enough and they've got the, the mentality to do that Icardi's you know working harder and harder and we haven't you know just don't have a problem with him at all and when you watched Kievo's performance against Atalanta this weekend it, it's hard not to see a result especially at home um, so I'm actually hoping for a bit of a, a convincing win it'd be nice to see him to go out and um, and get get it done early and uh, and have it in a convincing win to carry on the good form in the new year. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, right. If we if we <laughs> if we should uh, just basically uh, just start with our predictions. And uh, Mohammed, what do you predict the scoreline will be, and who are your goal scorers? Yeah, just like uh, Richard said, right now I'm hoping for a convincing win. I'm hoping for the return of the clean sheet. So. Uh, I'm 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 wishing for at least a two, if not a three, a three nil uh, for Inter. I'm hoping Icardi gets on the score sheet and starts really cementing his place as the front runner for the Capo Canonieri. And then uh, maybe uh, maybe Brozovic, uh, Brozovic uh, can't because uh, he's suspended. Uh, maybe Kandreva can score a goal from uh, from the right. We'll see. Nice one, uh, Richard. What are your predictions and scoreline? And 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 score uh, goal scorers. Yeah, well, hopefully, as I was saying, very similar there. I'd, I'd go for three 0 I'd uh, I'd like to see a convincing win. Like Cardi again. 
hopefully a brace maybe from him. And I, yeah, I, I know he's only had 21 minutes. I know he's only literally <laughs> come on again, done. But I was, I've written a piece on this for Football Italia, and, and there's one thing that I realised that, so I'm quoting myself, which is a bit wrong, but it is, it is something that really made me notice, right? Gabigol has played 21 minutes of football, and he has made a stand on the edge of our, sit on the edge of our seats. He's made a stand. He's done more for that us in 21 minutes of football than some of the dead would have done in three seasons. So for me, I'd love to see with Jovetic going, with the rumours about Palacio not going to play. Uh, you know, you're thinking it'd just be fantastic for him to come on and, and open his account and actually start to get some playing time. But I know that's really far-fetched because I, I doubt he'll even feature. But uh, just, for, just for hope, I'll say Icardi 2 and Gabby goals first. Right, uh, Max. Uh, what what are, you, what are your thoughts there? You want to do you do you, do you want to predict? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we're firing all on all cylinders right now. On the last podcast, we kind of talked about every time Inter takes a step forward, they take two steps back. And I was kind of expecting, uh, especially after Udinese scored the first goal, and they really should have scored a couple more. There was a six or seven minute span in the first half where I was just like, "Yikes, this is not good," but we survived it. And- you know what? I wrote uh, last week about Inter being kind of in the midst of an existential crisis. And this is a game they would have lost last year. This is a game they would have lost two months ago. And like Richard said, to show that resolve and come back and win a game where we didn't deserve to win, I think it bodes well for us. And I think we're going to keep a clean sheet against Kievo. If you look at the schedule, Kievo and Pesquera at home, Palermo on the road before we, we play Juve, it's setting up pretty nicely for us. So 2 nothing Inter, Riccardi with a brace. Oh my God! Uh, you see, that's, that, that's that's exactly what I wanted to say because I look I I I, I don't I, last time we played these guys was in the beginning of the season and the Debord debacle we, that first <laughs> game where he where he just co- his coaching just made me want to pull out the my hairs one by one with a pair of tweezers and a blowtorch. And I was so angry. I was so angry. So what I want, I want revenge. This is at the San Siro. I want to see Cardi score four goals. I want to see us completely run them over, then turn the car around, run them over again, and then back over. I want to see. I want to see them. I want to see them asphalted, asphaltati, like the Italians say. I want to see. I, you know what? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do a Antonio. I don't know. Maybe it's the studio inter host sickness. I'm gonna say seven nil. Icardi four oh, goals. Galliardi three goals. <laughs> if, he's, if he's done, I want to see a black and blue festival at the San Siro. I want. No. You know what? No. Icardi four goals. Two goals. Uh, two goals. Gabi goal and one goal. Galliardini. I want to see us annihilate these guys. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I want revenge. I want Walter Bisa to cry when he returns to the Sierra. Like, because I still, that, that defeat against Kievos is still, is still very much haunting me. Like, it's still pissing me. Like, I can't still get over it. And, and, ah, no. From I, I, that's that's what I want to see. So that, that's my prediction. I know it's the, it's very uh, <laughs> unlikely to happen, but. 7-0, four goals, Icardi, two goals, Gagliardini, one goal, Gabigol. Boom, done, in, get in. Speaking <laughs> of uh, Walter Birsa, isn't it really annoying when uh, ex-Milan players go to provincial teams and play like they're playing the, the fucking derby against us uh, every match afterwards? 
You know what pisses me off the most though is because of the fact that he, that De Boer made Bilsa look so good in that yeah. game against Inter. He's been playing like as if, you know, he start, he's actually started believing that he's an actual good <laughs> football player. And that's been pissing me off because that's been, he's gotten the confidence he needed. So he should, you know, he, he should be thanking De Boer for this, you know, this renaissance he's had. Because he's really not that good. And he's been amazing since then. And it's just annoying me, annoying me. Because he's not good. Like, return to being, you know, return to, you know, scheduled programming. Return to being crap. <laughs> Like you know what I mean? Like, oh, don't get just me another started. flying donkey. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Yes, well, Zinger. Remember the last time uh, we had uh, four optimistic Inter fans at the same time. That's uh, January, pretty... good point. May nineteenth, two thousand ten, going into the treble final again, into the Champions League final against. Uh, I don't know this. Beautiful or uh, scary? Uh, uh, all these new feelings again, you know. I, I as I said, I, I don't, I don't believe these feelings until a season has passed and we're back in the Champions <laughs> League. Then I'll believe it, because, because God knows we've been fooled by fool's gold with this team since 2010 so many times. So no, you know, fine, we've got four wins on the row, five in in all competitions. Still, tell you what. If we win these three upcoming games, I'm not counting the Copa game because I don't care about that. I want us to the Champions League. If we win these three upcoming games against Palermo, Kievo, and uh, what's the last one I'm forgetting here? Pescara? Pescara, yeah. Pescara, yeah. If we, if, we, if we get three wins out of these, then, okay, Mohamed, I will, I, will, I, will, I, will re- I will be the happy, grumpy man, okay? I will, I will, I will, <laughs> I will join your positive train. I will join, <laughs> I will start, you know, being positive. But until then, I'm sorry. I've, I've been burnt too many times of three, four games in a row where we've, we've gotten the results our way. And then we just return to being shit. <laughs> like, resume <laughs> to being... We're, we're basically back to being Volt, Walter Birsa. You know what I mean? Like, so, no, no. Right, uh, let's move on. And uh, uh, to the part of the show uh, where we pay tribute, uh, take the piss out of, and rip the piss out of something, starting with the Frog of the Week with Mr. Max De Luca. Well, there's no real front runner this week, like the pray for Gundog in, uh, on our last pod, but, uh, <laughs> but there are some decent ones. Um, how about Michael Owen fat shaming uh, Ronaldo? <laughs> that is the best one. I'm, <laughs> so one. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was crying. <laughs> I couldn't believe he actually he actually tweeted that. Like you don't really need. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, like nothing really needs to be said there, you know. <laughs> it's hilarious! I couldn't believe he actually tweeted that out. It's like Michael Owen never struck me as the most intelligent guy in the world, but he never, you know, struck me as a complete buffoon either. But ever since he's got this gig at is it Sky Sports, he just, you know, f- you know, it, stupid. He's things. awful. He just keeps yeah. stupid shit just keeps flying out of his mouth. It's like he's a fountain of retardation. I mean, it's just. Will somebody give this guy a shovel? Because, I mean, he's just digging himself deeper and deeper. Especially as Ronaldo has that uh, hyperactive thyroid, whatever. And, yeah, so, I mean, it was an iconic picture of uh, (laughs) Ronaldo getting the award with... uh, with the phenomenal Zidane feet, like what a picture it was. And he has to go ruin it with uh, that terrible comment. I couldn't believe it. 
Yeah, Michael Owen, definitely the frog of the week. I, I definitely vote for that one. You want, you want to go with that? Okay. Yeah, I think I think you just nailed, hit the hammer on the head with that one. What do you guys say, Richard? Is, do we even need to listen to anything else? Because I mean, what do you no, think? no, that, that that's all said and done. He's uh, <laughs> that was ridiculous, and uh, yeah, not you can't answer that. You just can't answer. It. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, uh, let's move to the negative side of things with this week's uh, moji with Mr. Mohammed Nasser. Uh, honestly, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of something that's uh, annoying me this week. I just I can't I can't find anything. I need your help, guys. Uh, what's a good moji? You're I, my moji of the week. Then this week, the fact that you can't even think of a, of something that's really, actually bothering everything, you. Everything <laughs> like from an inter from an inter perspective, we're, we're talking about uh, Ranokia leaving. We're talking about Nagatomo possibly leaving. We're talking about you know Melo's already gone. Jovetic is going. This is. Uh, yeah, but Nagatomo is not in Burnley yet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but even even the, even talk of him possibly leave, like, I I don't I I don't wanna. I'm grateful. I'm happy. There's, I've got one. I've got one for you. I've got there. one for you. Give me really sh- the strip we wore against Udinese. Oh, oh, oh. thank That's you. Well done. It's yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah. Well <laughs> done, Richard. Well done. Because that sprite-looking outfit, like for the full minutes, I was. It's like, bad. I want a Sprite. I want a Sprite. Why do I want a Sprite? Ah, because Inter are wearing a Sprite <laughs> kit. I mean, it's, I, I agree with that. It's horrible. It looks ridiculous. And it's not It's not even close to anything that's Inter-related. I mean, what's, what's green, yellow, blue got to do with Inter? I mean, yeah. we're, no, no, no. I, I'll tell American, you yeah. Having said American that, sports though, teams are starting to do that, too, with the whole fluorescent green and neon <laughs> yellow. It's a trend that is worrisome, to say the least. Yeah. No, but I, I'll tell you what, though. I'll take that uh, Sprite uh, kit anytime, any day over the Jinx thread, uh, red third way uh, or third strip. Which from, one? Uh, the the red one from the red one. Oh yeah, ah, the, the China one, the Chinese. The jinx. The, yeah, the jinx one. Yeah, yeah. Jinx. Yeah, that one was. Uh, at least we wear the sprite and we still win. But uh, <laughs> other one was. No, but you're you're definitely right, Richard. This uh, that I don't know. I don't know who was thinking where at Nike or <laughs> when they commissioned that one. It's uh, it's a joke. It's a bad one. <laughs> don't, don't don't they also do the Barcelona one that makes you. F- like makes looks like ice cream, like an ice cream wrapper. The the yeah, you know the yeah. yellow and red and orange one that just just makes me want a Solero or some other ice cream. Like uh, <laughs> yeah, Nike's got I mean? those uh, really far out uh, third kits. Uh, the the Manchester City ones, purple and yellow as well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think someone's doing mushrooms or some other <laughs> hallucinogenics or something else because because it's very it's very 1990s techno like outfit gear in the middle of the forest dancing to a trance kind of I don't know. Yeah, right. Um, let's move to the positive things uh, of this week with uh, this week's Moratti presented by myself. Oh my God, he is beautiful. He is beautiful, yeah! I was going to go with, or I am going to go with the new Inter. We've been waiting for this ever since Tohir 
or ever actually since Moratti spoke about bringing in a Chinese owner which never materialized, we've been waiting for the new Inter, the new Inter this, the new Inter that. And when Tohir came in, that was supposed to be the new Inter. Sure, a lot of things changed, but nothing, nothing on the sporting side of things. But with Suning, we're finally actually seeing things happen. Exactly like you said, Mohamed, Jovetic is almost gone, although I like him, but still he's a fringe player, he's not, being, he's not playing for us. Melo is gone, Nagatomo's on his way out, Ranoke is rumored to be on his way out, and we're bringing in young talent. Gagliardini, I mean, he's the second highest rated in this season's Gazeta dello Sport in their player ratings. He's been, people have been all fire about him. Uh, we we're, we're, There's talk of uh, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez from Wolfsburg, who half of Europe is after. There's uh, Suning are, talk, are talking about Verratti. You know, his agent has confirmed that Inter want, want Verratti. There's Bernardeschi. And, and we actually have, and, and also thanks to the financial deals and sponsorship deals that Suning have done, financial fair play is no longer an issue. They've sorted sure. that shit out. So yeah. th- for me, this week's Moratti is Suning and their implementation of the new Inter. God bless it and long may it rain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't you think things are going a little too well, though? I hate to be, (laughs) like, we're Interisti, we kinda, this is kinda, yeah, maybe things are going a little too well, but like you said, maybe this is the start of a golden era. Um, you know, having said that, you know, having said that, I, I was really worried that should I jinx it and say stuff like that. But given, but given how, given how my jinxes have been going so well recently, like yeah. I, I say that Banega is shit and he scores a goal. I say that Nagatomo's crap and he he's amazing. I mean, so I'm I'm kind of I don't know. I'm just reversing. I'm sort of hoping that maybe me saying that. Suning is is, is 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 a great is is doing well maybe the I don't know I, I'm just hoping here I'm just you know grasping at straws here I'm grasping at straws right uh, that was a great show and we're again we're really sorry that uh, with the technical problems that we weren't able to uh, bring you all of the questions that you asked to David but we promise you and David uh, promised us that he will come back uh, uh, before the mercato closes or just after the mercato closes to uh, go through all of that with to go through all the questions and more with us uh, to answer all your questions right with that i'd like to thank uh, richard mohammed and max for joining me this week hope you guys cheers guys thanks as always and as always my name is nima tavale ruzzari and as always sempre e solo forza inter Oh, no.